with the audio. Can you hear me okay? Because the audio is really getting kind of sketchy. Yeah, I think the computer is getting sleepy. No more Zoom! <laughs> no! <laughs> School has, has become a thing to be hated. My mental health spiraled. Honestly, it spiraled a lot. It's just hard for everyone. Hi, I'm Amelie Dutz. And I'm Kenna Robertshaw. And you're listening to Tea, Toast and Truth, Team Talk That Matters. Amelie and I began this podcast with the intent of unveiling the complexities and influences of an intense situation that we have all been enduring. Not only did we want to capture the experience that students have faced throughout distance learning, we also wanted to grasp and better understand the impact that it could have on these students, impacts that they could carry for the rest of their lives. Today's episode, a virtual reality reflecting on teenager school lives throughout a pandemic. Life can be so intense and it's just overwhelming. And I think once you become a teenager, it gets so bad because you have social media, you have expectations that are too high in school, you have moments where you're pushed away by the people that you thought you could trust, like friends, family. But the biggest disadvantage and consequence is the missing social interaction. So when you have the ability to explore and test you, who are you? Who are you in this social setting? And who are you in a new group? Who are you when you go on a party and you only know one person? All these experiences have not been made during this year. Gives you confidence in who, who you are and that confidence you can take wherever you go and that has not been made. So there is a disadvantage for sure. I honestly kind of forget how to talk. Like I'll be in there and I'll just try to make like words come out of my mouth and it's the most awkward thing I can imagine. I guess my confidence directed towards myself is higher. My confidence directed towards other people or people that I don't know is much lower because I don't know how to be social at this point. Loneliness underlying that a few times it's just when i'm on campus i'm in a i'm in a classroom space and it feels like a jail cell there there's nobody walking through the halls there's no kids in the classroom obviously uh when i'm at home you know it's a little less it's more of a familiar environment of course but it's lonely students have noticed that zoom has opened people's eyes to aspects of their social and educational lives that they've taken for granted in the past you don't get the experience of making new friends or um, I know that my own sort of social group has sort of shrank to the people that I've known the longest. I wouldn't be able to interact with a a large group of people as smoothly, as fluidly, and as outgoing as I would expect uh, myself to be before the pandemic. Yeah, I've definitely felt some days I just don't really want to speak. And there's kind of like the awkward silence where the teacher asks a question, nobody speaks, and it's kind of like, what do I do? (laughs) And on good days, I'll just, I'll jump in. But on bad days, I'll just sit there and not want to say anything. I think I've gotten so used to sitting in my room in my comfy chair with a blanket and tea. And like, you know, my second pair of pajamas of the day. That's going to be difficult going back. Throughout this time period, many underlying issues have come to light and less privileged individuals have been forced to face impactful hardships with more intensity than before. The isolation has begun in our culture long before COVID. And I, I, I don't want to sound like this technophobe, you know, I, like it's horrible, it's going to ruin the world. But I honestly think there's some things that we got to be really cautious of. And maybe this is an opportunity for us to check in to see how this technology can be a great tool, but also recognize that, you know, it causes some issues for sure. The biggest challenge really is equity 
and students that are maybe, you know, coming from a home that they have, you know, five or six brothers and sisters and they're all sharing devices and it's not a quiet um, work environment for them. So really reaching out to those families, how could we, you know, remove some of the barriers, get more devices so that they're not sharing, just help them stay organized and help them understand. There's a pretty high level of expectation for kids these days. And so um, I think just helping her kind of realize, okay, it's okay to put energy here and that things don't have to be perfect and kind of just prioritize that anxiety level to kind of take one step at a time feels like probably the biggest thing we do. And sometimes it's about, you know, more of the nitty gritty of like, oh, she has a project and she's trying to find information online and kind of helping her navigate that or just think about it or talk about it to see what, um, to get new creative ideas for different, different things. With issues such as these arising, Ashland High School has implemented programs and support systems with hopes of accommodating everyone's needs. Lots of ideas and lots of um, data too, you know, about students that either come from underserved communities, BIPOC communities, um, you know, LGBTQ communities that are marginalized and, you know, how to um, make your classes safe spaces for everybody and be all inclusive. I think there needs to be a lot of support socially uh, or psychologically and academically for those um, students who, um, who are more in the disadvantaged group. My personal opinion is that I think under all circumstances, those students should have been going to school. While AHS has made an effort to support everyone during this time, there are certain struggles that people must work to overcome within themselves. It is important to remember that the community, too, is coping in its own ways. It's hard for people to understand what kids need over, um, over online classes, and it's hard to communicate with them and make sure that they're actually getting that support. Uh, because they can't see the kid in person, they can't have like just sit down one-on-one talk with like, okay, here's what's going on with your grades, here's what you can do to fix it. The support, it puts a lot of pressure on the kids to be able to actually respond to it. And if they're not in a position to be able to, or if they don't want to for whatever reason, it's too difficult to get support for. Yeah, in that sense, I would say the, the mental health issues that already existed are now coming out more, but it's also more added to it at the same time, like hugely because of the collective trauma and the individual difficult situations everybody is in. The people who are privileged, they will be able to afford the help if they can't get it funded by their insurances and so, and the disadvantaged people, they won't because it's not possible for them to get that, at least not in this country. Amelie and I asked our adult community members how they would envision themselves in a system of distance learning in their high school years, and their responses don't sound too different from our own experiences. I don't think I'd make it. I would have been so pissed, honestly. (laughs) My first cell phone I got in like 1995 or something, I was taking a trip across country and it was about this big brick, you know, so I I had a cell phone for like a year and I I just, just... I turned off the technology completely. I completely rebelled, and I got rid of all that. Um, I didn't get another cell phone until my first child was born in 2009, so I went a long time just kind of rebelling from technology. For me, school was all about getting out of my house and being able to be with my friends. That was all. And the schoolwork and all of that, yeah, of course I did that. But that was 
the secondary thing. While parents have formed new ways to support their children, and teachers have created virtual lesson plans and curriculums, students have undergone tremendous everyday changes as well. Everyone has been forced to adapt to a completely new lifestyle, and students have been reflecting upon the differences they've noticed in their academic dedication. So I have no motivation to do anything because it's like kind of what's the point, um, like besides getting a reasonable grade, but even then it's like, does it even matter? <laughs> like what's gonna happen with the world and why get good grades? I've been doing the work, but it's a lot of times like not doing the work. It's like looking up the answers, what sound, which sounds really bad, but I have no motivation to learn it because like what, the test comes at the end and then you what, you're just gonna look it up because otherwise you're gonna fail and you might as well get good grades and use that as an opportunity. You can't tell how, like, how you're connecting with students or if your message is getting across and a lot of times you can't even tell if the student is really engaged and it's it's difficult. Each classroom has its own distinct energy and we can see how different personalities can view situations in various ways. I am really pleased with how the students are doing. Honestly, like I and I hope that the students that I've met with because I met a lot with a lot of students the last few days just one on one talking about next year. And I'm hoping they feel really encouraged because I am really pleased with um, with how much they have learned and what we've gotten through and that most students are handing work in at this point, whereas in the fall, it, was, it wasn't as consistent. And so, um, yeah, I don't know the depth of the student learning, but I can definitely see student learning. Although the coronavirus has catalyzed detrimental effects on this generation, we can look at the positive and see that all parties involved have acquired new and beneficial skills to some extent. I think that, like I said, people are resilient and this is, it's, it's not necessarily what your experiences are, but how you respond to them. And so I think, you know, if we bring our best and we, we try to learn from these experiences, we, we can only grow. We do often talk about the silver linings um, that, that have come with this. So one big, huge one is Canvas. A lot of students and parents have appreciated how it keeps students organized, how it's kind of a one-stop shop for everything. You know, if you know, sometimes we have students that go through a surgery, you know, or something happens that they're not able to physically attend school. So actually we have plans, the district has plans to actually keep Canvas as a learning module. Yeah, the self, uh, self-organization, self-discipline, self-discipline and self-organization to deal with this whole online world and to maneuver through all the systems like Canva. And so um, that's a big quality they will need in the future. Overall, I think learning how to do, learning how to overcome such a difficult hurdle and learning how the school overcomes it should give students a sense of how we can keep going despite these difficult obstructions and whatever we're trying to do. And just think so deeply about everything that I think a lot of people have had growth just because we've had so much time to contemplate with ourselves and our own consciousness. While none of us can be sure of what the long-lasting effects of this virtual period are, Amelie and I analyze the possible future impacts that our generation may experience as a result of distance learning. We asked our interviewees about their thoughts regarding possible future outcomes that have developed from virtual education. It'll never be the same, but maybe that's not bad either. You know, maybe maybe we find a, a new and different, better way. But I think it, for me, I just know that 
been down a lot. I've, I've probably lost more games than I've ever won. And, and you learn more from that. It's easy to win. It's easy to win and, and walk off the court. But that doesn't necessarily make you a better player or a better person, you know? So you have to, this is a life lesson we're all gonna be, we're living. This period can give every individual insight regarding what is most important to them in life, and students have gained a clearer perspective of what they hope to see in their futures. It just, it made me realize that like, right now it's like I'm only living for the future because like, cause of COVID, cause I can't really do anything now. So it makes me really want to live for the future and not like I can like get my life started after COVID. Like I keep telling myself that. And so I like, I want to go to college, but then I also just want to travel and live my life because like, I want that opportunity. And when is that opportunity going to come again? Oh my gosh, COVID has changed my outlook on life in general, not just college and future school experiences and whatnot i think it's just let me have the realization that i and personally i guess and like my life is so short and i kind of regret not taking more time with friends maybe taking even a break from school having a couple late assignments that kind of thing because i put so much pressure on myself and i think that covid has just taught me that life is so fragile and it's made me really think just about how i want to spend it I, I know that a lot of students are experiencing a lot of loss. The in-class experience, obviously the socialization that goes along with that. I, I don't know how you replace that. I don't know. I don't know if that's a long-term stunting of growth that can't be overcome. It obviously depends on which age and which capacities you're coming into the situation with and what your social connections are, how you're able to sustain those throughout this, this whole distance learning thing. But because it's so, there's so much isolation with it, I mean, one could forecast and make a prediction and say, wow, there's, there's going to be some long-term effects around those issues. But, you know, we're resilient people. Every generation is going to go through a crisis. Some people, some generations are unfortunate to go through several major crises. You, you all got yours early, you know? So I, I would like to be, a, as a teacher, I think we're all optimistic. And rather than looking at this being catastrophic, I think this has, we could come out of this stronger. You know, you all could come out and, and use this experience to become great leaders. I think people will come out of this with a lot of self-growth. I think we'll have a better interpretation of what we want to do, how who we want to be, if we ever figure that out. Like that could go either way. I mean, when you're thrown this tremendous amount of independence, if you are, a, if a responsible person can, can probably take that on immediately like a, like a duck to water, if you're not used to managing your own time and staying organized, this could be a snowball rolling down the hill really fast to a, a really bad situation, obviously, academically. I think the self-advocacy, as hard as it's been for a population of students, I think that it has um, given some students, you know, like, oh, this is how I approach my teacher, and this is how I communicate about a missing assignment, and this is how I, you know, this is how I initiate that has been a learning curve, but has really pushed kids to understand that and how to do that. And you're not physically in school where the teacher's saying, hey, stop by, you need to retake this test. You know, we don't have that, which has been a downfall, but it's also kids have risen to that challenge. You know, I think there's definitely a population of kids that, to be honest with you, has, have missed out on almost a year of school um, that regardless of all our efforts to get them engaged, they are credit deficient. Um, they have not been attending. They are failing classes. I guess kids that aren't able to be at their full potential are probably 
finding the beauty in school and really appreciating it as what it truly is. Like, I mean, being educated is such a valuable gift that we're blessed with here. I'd say that it shows sort of the resiliency of the systems that we were worried about for a long time. Students are worried about the quality of their education. Um, they're, they're following the news, they're looking around them, and they see the problems with the education system, and they see the things they like. And I think the fact that uh, the high school was able to get through this really, really difficult period, um, and we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel now, is really reassuring to students and shows that the high school is able to put in the resources and the dedication necessary to make sure that kids are still learning. The silver lining in, in some way is that we couldn't escape ourselves anymore. We had to deal with who we are, who we are when we are by ourselves, when we are so stripped away by all, from all these um, distractions. That's something some people woke up to themselves and to what they had to deal with and um, learned from this in a great way and had a lot of self-development in, in this phase. And that's what I see as the silver lining. I mean, I think like so many things during COVID, I kind of take it all with like a grain of salt of like, well, we're all doing the best we can. There's probably ways we could have done better. It also could have been worse. And, um, and I'm just grateful for what the teachers have tried to do and what the school schools have tried to do and realize that they're all doing the best, um, that the decisions that have been made are made because they are trying to do the best that they can for students. And you know, and that's just the way it is right now, so. We have to learn. What did we learn? You know, what did we learn about it, good and bad, and take that all in, and how can we make things better moving forward? I think the silver lining, you know, I think I'm older than you all by a long shot, and so I know that just through my life experience that you fall down a lot, you know, and you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and those are some things that my, my parents, my coaches, and my, my important people have told me. You know, there's nothing that's going to come at you that you can't deal with. You're just going to have to dust yourself off and get up and go. Most of us are sick of Zoom, our rooms, and of isolation. We've done our best to cope throughout this time and to come out of it stronger. Ken and I have seen that distance learning has enhanced resilience, creativity, and adaptability for some. However, for others, it has completely changed the general and common outlook on education and transformed it into a burden. We're curious to see how these contrasting takeaways of virtual learning will affect our future lives as a generation that has undergone such tremendous change. What differences have you noticed in yourself throughout this time? How do you envision these shifts impacting yourself, your friends, your family, and peers in the future? You've been listening to Tea, Toast, and Truth, a podcast of Ashen High School's Truth to Power Club. For more information, please email us at truth2powerclub at gmail.com and follow us at truth2powerclub on Instagram. Production, writing, and editing done by Kenna Robertshaw and Emily Dutes. Interviews done by Kenna Robertshaw and Emily Dutes. Music by Tate Oliver. Special thanks to all of our wonderful interviewees, our advisor Shane Abrams, Ella Gibbs, Simone Starbird, Miranda Davis-Powell, Tara Vivrett, and our review team.